They're saying you aren't being persecuted, believer. It's not you. It's the unbelieving that's being persecuted. Right is wrong and wrong is right. White is black and black is white. Truth is not truth. The lie is a truth. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. I'm going to begin a brand new teaching uh, during this particular segment, and it comes out of Jude. I've been preaching through Jude. It's, it isn't a series, but these messages are definitely uh, connected, interconnected, to one another, and I'm not going to be reading to you a lot about uh, Jude during this particular part. This is kind of an introductory message, and in fact, I'm going to a totally different passage here in just a moment to read in your hearing before we jump into this one. We've titled Natural or Supernatural, and I want you to listen real carefully. I want you to know this. I am an encourager. That's what I try to do. I love to encourage people in this particular message is not necessarily one of those feel-good messages because I believe this. The people of God, born-again, spirit-filled people, are being persecuted around the world today. Now, we're beginning to sense some of this in the United States of America in an unprecedented form. Some of you listening to me right now, you're enduring some of this every day, and that's very subtle because that's the way the devil works. Sometimes this persecution comes in different forms, but I want to remind you that the enemy of our soul, Satan, who is actually the enemy of God, and he hates anything to do with God, and that would be you if you are a part of the forever family of God. But Satan masquerades. He comes in as an angel of light trying to fool people, deceive people into accepting his agenda as opposed to God's agenda. That's a subtle form of persecution, but persecution nonetheless, because the end results of that will not be good. Well, let me jump right on into this. I don't want to preach before I preach, but I just wanted to kind of set that up for you. Uh, go with me, if you would, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 3. Here's what the Bible says. 4. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, here's what they'll do. To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You understand that? Itchy ears. Boy, my ear's itching. Come over here and scratch it. I want to hear certain things. You put those certain things there. It will scratch the itch. 
Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's listening in right now, and I ask and pray in the matchless name of Jesus that by your word you would put courage into us all to be about your business. I pray for those that are listening right now by whatever means who have been victimized, they've been persecuted, they're undergoing persecution spiritually even as I speak. I trust that we take great courage from your word to continue to be about your business. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, keep your Bibles handy, follow along with us, and I'll be back here just uh, just a little while to wrap things up. I sense in my spirit that what I'm sharing with you this morning is foundational. We're going to fill this out, and the title of this message will probably make more sense as we continue to unpack this next week, the Lord willing. With that, we began our little trek through Jude, and this isn't a series per se, but it sure does resemble or feel like one. But we began our little trek through Jude by pointing out his, Jude's, appointed and anointed challenge for godly persons to contend for the faith. That's a challenge to those of you that would make the boast of being a born-again, spirit-filled follower of Christ to contend for the faith. Now watch this. Typically, when the faith of godly persons is challenged, or that is to say it is under assault. Let me remind you, we have an enemy, so it, your faith will be under assault. When that happens, God is over the top faithful to come to the rescue of his own with a supernaturally powerful or supernatural powerful rebuttal. When James says in chapter 4 and verse number 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Beloved, he wasn't just waxing poetic. He's declaring an absolute factual truth. So as we explore the ins and outs of contending, as we've done uh, with each little various part uh, or each segment of this particular teaching, as we do so, please know that God has provided us some tools or some resources to contend with or which we might use to contend with. Now, watch this. There is a difference of opinion regarding what I am, as my lovely wife would say, what I'm fixing to put before you. There's a difference of opinion regarding what I'm about to put before you. But I believe this, and this is number one on your study notes. Fill this in with me if you would, please. I believe that born again, spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ have been and are now being severely persecuted around the world. Even unto death. Many suffering as a martyr. That, beloved, is a hard, uncontested, indisputable fact. And if you disagree with that, whether you're listening to me live by 
stream or uh, one of these programs as they air later on, television podcast as the case might be. If you disagree, then you are simply unaware of the facts. So what I just said to you, I'm not really offering as a debate. I'm offering that to you and to educate you. Persecution is taking place among the body of Christ around the world. Now catch this. New Life Community Church, among a number of other things, supports two, how many? Do this. We support two missional ministries that engages directly the dangerous work that I'm referencing here. Now, I'm not going to mention any names. In fact, I can't mention any names because of live stream or TV or the podcast. But you all, if you are really connected with New Life at all, you all of a brother uh, that we all know that we've had in this very room on several occasions. He working to take the gospel to Muslim countries and to Muslim homes that's otherwise closed to any semblance of evangelism. He and his peeps, his over uh, with his group, but his people are in constant peril of life. Some have lost their lives. Now I'm talking about uh, not just a life Talking, thank you, sir. I thought that thing was acting crazy, or did I not even cut it on? Can you hear me now? All righty, there we go. I love having this thing in my hand. I feel like I'm supposed to lead singing or something. His people are in constant peril of life. Some of them have lost their lives. Understand, one of the missionaries that we support that's been in this room has told me story after story of people that he works with. That would be people like you that I work with, the people that he works with. They've lost their lives for no other reason than that they're following Jesus Christ. Does that concern you? Now, I'll take that deathly silence as your concern. I do encourage you and I encourage our virtual congregations, again, whether by live stream, TV, podcast, whatever. I encourage our virtual congregations to check out the voice of the martyrs. If you are not familiar with the voice of the martyrs, I encourage you to Google persecution.org or to put that in there, to look them up and to be in receipt of their newsletter. It's a website that you can look at and you will begin to discover the depth of this terrible blight that I'm talking to you about. And you'll begin to realize and understand as you read these stories that these atrocities are taking place around the world. Now, perhaps you're looking back at me thinking, well, now, Apostle T, if all this is going on, if people are being persecuted, martyred, murdered for their Christian faith around the world, then why don't we hear about that? Pastor Terry, it seems like if that was happening, then I would turn on the evening news or my uh, radio program or some kind of a, a social media feed and I would be hearing all about this. It does seem like that would be the case, doesn't it? Well, fill in number two with me on your study notes. Beloved, fact hiding. Fact hiding. Will you say that right out loud with me? Fact hiding is a scheme devised and employed by the very enemy of our soul. 
I just quickly mentioned this a few moments ago. I want to reiterate this to you. If you are a follower of Christ, you have an enemy. He's actually God's enemy. He wants to be God. He don't want to be like God. He wants to be God. And the primary way he wants to come against God is by coming against God's people. He can't come against God, and he ought to know that by now. So he tries to come against God's people. So we have an enemy. But he doesn't just walk up to you and say, Hi, I'm Satan. I'm your enemy. It's not the way he rolls. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 14. Look at what it says here. Satan himself masquerades. And we're going to see how he masquerades, but I want to park right there for just a moment. Satan himself masquerades. He puts on a mask. He doesn't show his true colors. He doesn't just step right out in front of you. He's very subtle in what he does. He's very deceptive in what he does. And he is a liar. That's his native language, lying. Satan himself masquerades. How? As an angel of light. He masterfully and artfully hides spiritual facts from the unsuspecting. I have a graphic coming up here. That's what we usually think of the devil. By the way, he doesn't look like that. This is sort of the way he portrays himself. Click. Look at that. Boy, isn't that cute. Isn't that cute? Little halo, little star, little wings. But what's behind it? He's still there, isn't he? Is he still there? Yeah. But he masquerades. He masquerades as an angel of light. Beloved, that's why we are warned. We're warned to put on the complete armor of God. Church, I hope and pray that you're listening to me right now. Put on the complete or the full armor of God so that we will be able to take a stand, our stand, against the schemes of the devil. God never intended for the devil to win victory, to gain victory over you, but for you to gain victory over the enemy. And he provided you the tools and the resources to be able to do that. And we're urged to resist the devil. Listen to me, church. People joke around about this today. Even church people joke around about this. Like there's something funny about hell or there's something funny about the devil. There's nothing funny about that at all. And you shouldn't be joking around about it. We're told to resist the devil, not to be his friend. Hey, can I ask you this morning and those of you listening by way of live stream, how friendly are you with the enemy? This thought come to me this week, and I believe this is, is from the Lord. Not only is he our enemy, we ought to be his worst nightmare. Huh? Not cozying up to him. The Bible says to resist the devil and he'll flee. When he sees us coming, he ought to look around at all his little imps. Oh, look, there comes one of those spirit-filled people. I'm getting out of here. To work that way in your life? Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. That means an angel of righteousness. So look at verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. They live darkly in the background, but they talk light. They talk righteousness but they live darkly in the background. Born again and spirit-filled persons are being persecuted around the world. The enemy of our soul, Satan, is behind it. Now, that isn't contested very much. Here is the contested part, and I'm headed to number three on your study notes. 
right this very moment, I'm talking right now, right this very moment, such ones, born again, spirit-filled persons are under assault, watch this, in the United States of America. Now, I'm pausing for emphasis. Most of you looking at me would agree with this sentiment that I've just put before you. Most of you. Unfortunately, lots of our neighbors, I'm talking about the people that live around you, the people that shop at your Walmart, the people that do their grocering at your food line, your neighbors and your co-workers, a lot of them would disagree with what I just said. Why would they disagree with that? That's what we hope to find out. Some of them, your neighbors, your co-workers, perhaps even some of your family members are purpose to disagree. Watch this. They're purpose to disagree very loudly and forcefully, which I find kind of humorous. I said to you, we're being persecuted. And they say very loudly and very forcefully, no, you're not. Do you find that humorous or is that just my little screw loose? Ironically, watch this, this goes to the point, some disagree with a very convincing politeness. What do you mean by that, Pastor Terry? I mean their sincerity is just oozing and their sincerity is very alluring. Very alluring. Question that comes to my mind is just who is this? that's doing the persecuting. Who are these neighbors you're talking about, Pastor Terry? Who are these coworkers? Who are these family members? Well, Jude told us, we talked about this in part one, part two, or the, the previous couple of messages, as I introduced to you what I call the SSS, the Secret Slipper Society. You remember them? They slip in secretly. The Secret Slipper Society. That's who's doing the persecuting. Body of Christ, it's very important that you catch this. There was a social media post that come upon my cellular device this week. It was started by a long-time missionary friend of mine. You got that? 40-year veteran of mission work, involved in God's work on foreign soil for 40-some years. And this friend suggested that American believers are under persecution. Now, he just recently come back into this country from across the way after 40 years, and he suggested that Christians in this country are under persecution. Are you with me so far? Okay, here was one of the responses, and I quote, Christians in America are clearly going to be fine you are not being persecuted. I'm far more concerned for my daughter, my cousin, and many, many dear friends under an anti-LGBT Supreme Court, end quote. 
Did you catch this? Or catch if you speak proper English. I said catch, I think. Did you catch this? They're saying you aren't being persecuted, believer. It's not you. It's the unbelieving that's being persecuted. Right is wrong and wrong is right. White is black and black is white. Truth is not truth. The lie is a truth. Let me read for you. I, normally I encouch such things as this in my notes so you don't see me flopping a piece of paper around. But I'm flopping on purpose this morning. Sound like Rush Limbaugh, don't I? My formerly, I won't go into all that. You can see this, can't you? You see what it says? It says legal alert. It's from the Christian, what is the name of that place? I lost uh, Christian Law Association. David Gibbs, heard him speak at our yearly conference about a year ago. Listen to this. I'll try not to bore you with too much reading, but this is good. Friends, the time for mincing words is over. The current culture in America has declared outright war on religious freedom. The gentleman that penned this assured your denominational leaders over a year ago that their organization had litigated 10,000 court cases in the previous year with churches. So I think he knows what he's talking about. Are you with me? Christians who continue to hold on to traditional biblical values are being ostracized. That means left out. But worse than that, by a growing number of Americans, particularly as the secular liberal movement continues to grow and gains legal support and traction in courts across the country, including, unfortunately, the United States Supreme Court. While the First Amendment remains present and accounted for, many secular Americans believe that it simply does not matter. Any faith that does not cater to every non-biblical belief system that the culture approves is being seen as discriminatory, hateful, and unwelcome. I continue. Unfortunately, we're seeing the ripple effects of the harsh anti-religious sentiment beyond legal decisions as well. We are seeing the term hate speech. Will you say hate speech? We're seeing the term hate speech grow more and more common, specifically used against believers who say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Christian business owners contact CLA who are absolutely terrified to openly admit to their religious beliefs, beliefs that just a few decades ago, 20 years ago, perhaps 30 years ago, would have been considered mainstream. Those that dare to speak out are either sued or, prote or, or uh, pro protested out of business. Newspapers are openly publishing articles calling for the abolishment of student groups at colleges that dare to say they hold to biblical beliefs on traditional marriage and they are called names and openly attacked. Last paragraph. In the middle of all this hate and outrage, 
that has, that has brought America to a boiling point. Something even more unthinkable and unbelievable happened. Nearly every state government ordered that all churches close their doors. While we can hope that such decisions were meant to be made in good faith to protect from the rampage rampaging coronavirus... Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's a little bit more to this particular segment, and we'll look forward to sharing that with you our, our next time together. But let me wrap it up this way. Are you one of those that just says, you know, I believe in God. I know that there's the big man up there in the sky somewhere, and one day we're all going to just, you know, everything's going to be lovely. You just believe in God, or are you in a relationship with God? According to His Word, the Bible, are you in a born-again, spirit-filled relationship with God? That's a question that behooves each and every one of us to ponder, whomever we are. There are some difficult days coming for those who are born-again and spirit-filled. The good news is when you're spirit-filled, you're not coming against those difficulties in your own power, your own strength, your own ingenuity. You have the very God of heaven and the angel armies of God coming uh, alongside, inside to strengthen you and to bring to you victory. God is going to win. God is going to win. And so are those who have a genuine relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to be an encouragement to you, whoever you are, to know and understand that the way to God, the God of the Bible, is through His Son, Jesus Christ. I trust that you have confessed your sins, repented of your sins, opened up your heart's door, and invited Jesus Christ to come in to be your Savior, to be your Lord and, to, and by Holy Spirit to take His rightful place on the throne room of your heart. That's essential. It's necessary in order for us to claim the name of Christ and to know that we're going to live with Him for all eternity in a place we call heaven. I trust that you have made that decision and that you are a follower of Christ. I want to encourage you to continue to stand firm and to stand fast upon the Word of God, the Bible. In particular, in the days, these, uh, these recent days, and the imminent days that are before us. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now, and I ask and pray in the matchless name of Jesus that for those who are born anew of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, that they would stand strong in the power of the Spirit against the adversity that is before us. And I pray for those that even right now realize that they're lost. They do not have a relationship with you. I pray that right now that they would pray, confess their sins, repent of their sins, open up their hearts door and invite you to come in to be the Lord of their life. I pray, I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And listen, these are difficult times for uh, in-person gatherings. I realize that, but I want to be an encouragement to you to continue to meet together with God's people. I believe God honors that because that's what He's told us to do. We've talked about that much lately. In fact, I'm hearing preachers all over the country and all over the world now encouraging the, uh, the members of the forever family of God to come together, to meet together, and not to forsake the assembling New Life continues to meet 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Wednesday activities at 7 o'clock. 
Uh, there's some contact information there on the screen. Our web address is there. You can find out anything you'd like to know about us through that website. I am Terry Knight, and a pastor here at New Life, and I've got to get out of here. My time is completely gone. Trust you're going to have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you?